Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I always tell people when they take my uh, baking classes, I always say, look, at the end of this, I know that everybody here is not a professional. Some of you have never baked a cake, but the object is for you to be able to eat whatever it is you make. And if you can eat it, it's okay if it doesn't look like mine or it, it doesn't quite you know, fit that picture perfect idea, but it's yours, you did it, and you can be proud of it. Do not wait until Thanksgiving, Christmas, those special holidays to try something new. Do it several times so then by the time you get to that holiday, you have it perfected. Hey, food fans. I'm food writer and culinary entrepreneur Sabrina Medora, and you're listening to Homemade by All Recipes. Each week, we bring you talented home cooks, authors, chefs, and celebrities to discuss the memories and traditions behind their favorite foods, along with discussions on what's happening in food culture today. It's that time of year where our minds are whirring with holiday menus and preparation plans and everything that comes with the stress of hosting holidays at home. But listen, we're here to lighten your load. Today, you'll be hearing from pros like Top Chef and Taste the Nation's Padma Lakshmi, Great British Bake Off's Nadia Hussain, world-renowned chef Danielle Ballou, Master Chef Dorian Hunter, and more. But first up, we have cake mix doctor Anne Byrne, who gives me her well-honed secrets for a tasty holiday season. I'd love to hear your holiday tips and tricks. Let's do it all. Let's start with Thanksgiving. What do you love to put out on the table from a dessert perspective? Well, I think people get so stuck on pies at Thanksgiving that we've started adding a cake. I highly recommend it, whether it's a pumpkin cake or there's one in the book called an Italian cream cake that you make with a cream cheese frosting and then it has coconut and pecans in it. So it sort of has pie-like ingredients, and yet it's so gorgeous on a stand that it's just so beautiful. You've got all these kind of brown and dowdy pies, you know. (laughs) They're just not really interesting looking. And then you've got this just knockout cake. So I love that at Thanksgiving. I do think around Christmas or any time during the holidays, anything chocolate. I do have several cakes in there that combine chocolate and mint which is nice, or chocolate and citrus, very different. Red velvet is a perennial favorite, you know, during the holidays as well. I've got three red velvets in the book. One is a standard cake, one's a baby cake, and one is a cupcake. And I've sort of tweaked and had some fun with the frostings. I've got a peppermint frosting on one of them. I make a frosting with mascarpone cheese on another And I think that it's a nice change from cream cheese. I love anything with mascarpone cheese. (laughs) Yes, I do too. I do too. It's so fun. There's so many more possibilities now. 
And then I think any kind of cake that you can bake in a springform pan and just put on a stand is so easy during the holidays because there's not all these layers to stack or frost. The cover cake of the book is a chocolate cake that has pureed berries in it. So I really love using springform pan to bake the entire recipe. And then you can frost it. If it's a refrigerator cake, it can go right back into the ring and into the fridge. Or cookies. And you can make cookies from cake mix, too. So I do have a lot of cookie recipes in this book. Really? Yeah. I did not know you could do that. How do you do that? A lot of people are really into it. It's just the right formula. I mean, it's obviously not a lot of eggs and not a lot of liquids. And a good bit of fat. Because cookies, if you think about it, are crispy and crumbly. But no, there's some wonderful, wonderful cookies in here. Chocolate wafers, chocolate chips, but also some oatmeal cookies, a butternut pecan cookie. One of my favorites is when you take an angel food cake mix and you make little macarons. And then you sandwich them together with buttercream, with chocolate buttercream. There's a lot of things that you can do with just, you know, a box of cake mix. That is a very cool hack. And I mean, we're always talking about there's crispy cookies and then there's the cakey cookies. I love my cookies to be cakey. I like them to be, you know, that beautiful gooey in the middle almost, a little warm still. It's my favorite. Yeah, that is why a lot of people bake cookies with a cake mix. And it's crazy, but that is why they do it because they like a gooey, chewy cookie. And the other thing, a lot of people will add like a little bit of an instant pudding mix to their cookie recipes, regardless of what it is, to keep them moist and kind of chewy and gooey. Oh, this is all like life-changing stuff here. I'm already (laughs) thinking ahead to my holiday menus, wondering how I'm going to tweak everything now. (laughs) That's right. Well, it's fun because you can just go through the pictures, I think, in the book and then look at the page number and And that was an aspect of the first Cake Mix Doctor that everybody loved was to be able to look at the grid of pictures at the front. I know a lot of children would do that. They go in and pick the cake they want to try to bake. And it's fun. I mean, my books have always, you know, it's not rocket science, but I definitely have been geared toward families and toward beginner cooks, bakers. And kids can chime in so easily with this because they can be the ones pouring the cake mix ingredients into the the bowl. They can do the stirring. They can help. It, it just seems so much more accessible than baking from scratch. It is. It's easy. You're in and out. And some of these recipes, you don't even have to turn on the mixer. Just a bowl and a spoon. It's such great experience, I think, in math science for kids, especially if they start baking like at 10 or 11. It's ratios, you know, it's multiplication. It's such good hands-on basic knowledge. And it's a skill that they'll have for the rest of their lives if they get, you know, into it. That's it. I am blaming my lack of math and science skills on the fact that I never baked when I was 10. There you go. There you go, parents. This is why I didn't do that great in those subjects. (laughs) But here I am now learning about cake mixes. Well, I'm happy I've brought you to it. That's right. I don't do a lot of baking, but I will trot it out for the holidays. And my favorite thing to make, which I made a couple years ago and have been doing ever since, I make a bacon walnut pie. And the filling is nothing but chopped bacon, chopped walnuts, maple syrup, and sugar. And then a lovely just pie crust. And that's it. That's the pie. Uh (laughs) It's very indulgent. Yeah. 
how would one maybe play around with that and turn it into a cake so I can surprise the fam this year? Bacon, walnuts, and what else did you say? Maple syrup? Maple syrup, little brown sugar, and I saute the bacon, and then I cook the walnuts. I chop them, and I cook them with the bacon so they get all nice and fatty and savory. And then I just drench the whole mixture in maple syrup, little brown sugar, and then I just pile it into a baking tin, and I have the crust in there, and then a crust on top, and I make a little decoration, and that's it. It hits all of the notes, doesn't it? It's got the salt. It does. It's so (laughs) indulgent. (laughs) And I love stuff that is like chewy and textury, for sure. So the difference then in like in a cake, all those flavors, they're so interesting and the crunch and the texture and the salt, you know, I don't want to lose that. So I would probably really work at making that a garnish. You could do it in a bundt pan, but what, uh, such an easy garnish on those is just to prep it with oil and flour and prep it like you're going to pour in batter. But then you take your walnuts and finely chop them. And you scatter them on the bottom of the pan, okay? And then you could use a recipe in my book, like the almond cream cheese pancake, for example. And you could add a little bit of maple extract, pure maple extract to that tiny bit. It's very strong, like eighth of a teaspoon or something. Tiny bit to get some maple going into that cake. Or you could use real maple syrup. But the problem is baking a cake with maple syrup it doesn't come through in a mapley kind of way, you know? It kind of gets lost. So then I would bake the cake. And then when you flip it, you're going to have this crown of walnuts because they've been baked on the bottom. They're going to be super crunchy and delicious because you've just flipped it. And I think I would just use the bacon. That's the garnish. That's the nuts on the cake. You've got a little maple undertone in the cake. And then I probably would do a maple glaze. Just maple syrup, a little powdered sugar in that, maybe a little bit of coconut milk or cream, just something to thin it out. And then you could add a tiny bit of maple extract to make it more mapley. And then I would drizzle that on the cake, but really use the bacon as the garnish. And I think that could be good because when you sliced into it, you'd have the crunchy bacon, you'd have a mapley kind of glaze. You'd have the walnuts that have been baked into the crust on the cake. It could be kind of good. Yeah. Do you use oil in that almond pound cake? Uh, yeah, I use oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cake mix, cream cheese, oil, eggs. If it's not number one fan favorite, it's number two. What if someone wanted to use a little bacon grease with the oil? Like take some of the yeah. oil out, add yeah. a little bacon fat instead. Does yeah. that work or does that mess up the Yeah, ratios? I don't know if I do that to the cake. You could do it in the pan. You could actually, all right, so here's something crazy. You could actually <laughs> fry the bacon in a cast iron yeah. skillet. Take the bacon out, crumble it. It's over here, crispy. You've got bacon grease in your cast iron skillet. Pour it out, but leave some in there, okay? Put your walnuts on the bottom of the pan like you're making a pineapple upside down. I see what you're saying. See what I'm going? Uh Make your almond cream cheese batter, boom, with the maple in it, boom. Mm -hmm. Then you could make the maple glaze or you, oh, it's kind of, you're you're kind of crossing meals here. It's kind (laughs) of like the bacon and the pancakes thing. So then serve it as an upside down skillet cake. Turn it upside down, and you've got the crunchy walnuts. You've got the flavor of the bacon grease from the pan. Yeah. you got the cake. 
you got more bacon on top, and you could or could not do the maple glaze or just drizzle maple syrup. Over. That is going to be a fan favorite in my house. <laughs> Put that on Instagram and I'll uh, tag me. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. And then for your next book, we'll call it the Sabrina. <laughs> it will be on the right, cover. Sabrina skillet cake. I love that Sabrina skillet cake. I've always wanted a dessert that's just like mine to like hand down to my kids and grandkids someday. I think this might be it. I think that that is unique enough to be yours. They'll think it's like cornbread, you know? Yes. And that'll be part of the surprise because it's a cake. Yeah. And you could put a little bit of yellow cornmeal in there if you wanted to, but you don't have to. Because the skillet really makes really beautiful cakes. They get nice and crispy on the edges. It's a 12-inch cast iron skillet is what you need, yeah. I'm going to do that because the one big piece of feedback I got from everyone besides myself and my husband was that, wow, this is just a lot of walnuts and bacon. I'm like, and what's your point? <laughs> That's the point of the pie. Walnuts and bacon. What, what's your point? They're like, well, it's a lot of it. I'm like, really? <laughs> so maybe if I add cake to it. <laughs> I think it could improve it, actually. I Almond cream cheese pancake. Yeah, you got the recipe there. Do you have any fun tips for just making baking easier around the holidays? You know, because it's so stressful, especially for the person that is in charge of the kitchen that day or that week. Yeah. Well, I'd say if possible, if these are gifts for other people, if you can plan ahead. And so many cakes freeze really well. In fact, we baked all these cakes for photography for this book. And I don't know what I would have done without my chest freezer to stash these cakes while I could bake some more and stash some more. So bake ahead, wrap them well in foil, Ziploc bag, whatever, get them in the freezer. And a lot of cakes really improve in texture, especially the pound cakes, really improve in texture if they have been frozen. Look to easy glazes. You know, don't try to get into frosting. So I'll look at the, I have a whole chapter on glazes. Just glaze the cake. Go to like a Michael's kind of store and buy cake rounds, cardboard cake rounds, and actually put the cake on that round, you know, and you can get clear cellophane and, and it, you can kind of sweep it up over the round in the cake and put a ribbon on it and you're done. And those are kind of gifts that could be made ahead of time. As far as like cookies and bars and things that you might be baking, you know, with children, whatever, you can make a lot of these doughs ahead of time and freeze the dough which is super helpful, and then pull it out, put it in the fridge to thaw. We do that a lot, especially when you're going to decorate cookies too. And I do have a recipe for like rolled sugar cookies in here, believe it or not, with a cake mix. And it, it's really easy to work with. It's staging, I guess, staging what you're going to bake for the holidays, thinking ahead, plan it, stage it, much like, you know, a restaurant kitchen or a pastry chef might do. They could never make everything at the last minute, and we probably shouldn't try to either. I think that is the biggest downfall is we think to ourselves, oh, Thanksgiving's tomorrow. I should probably get started on that pie dough. <laughs> I don't know. I might be speaking from a little personal experience here. <laughs> no, no, I think you're exactly right. I think some of your best ideas can come at the last minute. You know, if you plan too much about what you're going to eat and bake, you don't leave any room for serendipity. So, but you can make everybody else in your family crazy if you leave everything to the last minute. I've done that as well. Don't be upset if something goes wrong because it's just making way for something else to go more right. And maybe for the holidays, invest in a new pan. Something as simple as a new shape of a bunt, like a heritage or a magnolia pan. They have different grooves and whatever. And, and maybe that's the same old cake you always make. It's the pound cake that everybody knows you for. 
but this year you put it in a different pan, which is nice. It's a nice change. Right. And it's such an easy way to have people say, wow, when you bring it to the table. Yes, definitely. Or give it as a gift. I think to have a cake in the freezer is a wonderful thing. You know, bringing somebody a whole cake really says a lot, doesn't it? I mean, it's very celebratory. And that's what I've always loved about cakes. Even if, you know, they start with a cake mix, they're just so much more fun than a pie. You know, it makes you want to celebrate and whoever you share them with, it's an occasion. Right. And tell me, how long can these cakes stay in the freezer or stay in the fridge once they're made? Freezer, it depends on the type of freezer. If it's just your the freezer for your refrigerator, you know, a week or so, because it's opened and shut so many times. But if it's a chest freezer and upright in another part, maybe in the basement of your house, oh boy, three to six months. Really depends on how many times it's opened and how well you wrap them. But you can definitely, especially like a pound cake, things that do not have a frosting on them, they keep really well. And so you can always whip up the frosting later if you want to keep the cake in there for a while, bring it out. If you want to pre-bake for the holidays, make the cakes, freeze them, take them out, open up the pack, open up the foil, and let them thaw at room temperature on the counter, sort of able to breathe. You know, you've opened up the packaging, let them breathe. And then once they're thawed, then you can glaze them and wrap them for giving. And how would you recommend that we wrap these for the freezer? Do you have any tips on that? I love using the boards. That's why I mentioned getting some cake rounds. But if you don't have that, save cardboard from boxes that you get. We hope we get a lot of those. And actually cut it into, and this is where kids can kind of help you maybe, cut it into sort of 12 or 14 inch squares or rounds. Squares are easier to cut. And you've made your own cake round or cake square for freezing. You could put a parchment or wax paper on that and your cake goes on that. And then I would place that on heavy duty foil and wrap the foil up around the cake you know, and crimp it so it's sealed and yet it's not pressing onto the cake. If you don't want to use foil, you can wrap it in parchment paper, plastic wrap, and put it inside of a Ziploc bag. Get some of the big ones, the big two-gallon bags. Those are great. You can recycle those. You can keep using those again and again. I do rinse them out and let them dry, but those are really great for freezing an entire cake or freezing like a 9 by 13 pan of cake as well. And then some cakes, if it's for a party, you can freeze it right in the pan. I've done that too. So basically, order your Christmas presents online, take the boxes that your Christmas presents come (laughs) in, get your kids to cut those boxes up so you don't have to bother with breaking them down and recycling them, make it a whole fun activity. They can draw on the boxes, (laughs) they can cover them with foil. They could decorate those. I think we just solved every parent's problems for the holidays. (laughs) How do I keep my kids occupied while I'm baking? Perfect. Yes, perfect. Next up on today's episode, from earlier this season, Marty Duncan chats with Great British Bake Off winner Nadia Hussein about a different kind of celebration during the holidays, the Christmas birthday. You are a, a Christmas baby, right? Yeah. So we are a show that we love to talk about family traditions and things that you do when you get the family together. So 
What are some of those traditions like and what would be like a dish that would be like a signature dish that you would make for Christmas or your birthday? So we don't celebrate Christmas, but it is the only time of year where the entire family stops. Nobody's working. So that is an excuse for us to spend some time together, especially on Christmas Day, because actually nobody's got an excuse. When I say, can you come around for my birthday? Nobody can say, well, actually I'm busy because they're not. They don't celebrate Christmas. My family don't celebrate Christmas. They've got nowhere to be. So (laughs) where could you possibly be if you're not at my house? So no, there's no hiding from me on Christmas Day. Oh no. Uh, So I've got a sister whose birthday is on Christmas Eve. So I've never had a birthday on my own. So we always have a joint birthday on my birthday so uh, we tend to have our entire family over and everybody cooks a little bit of something so it's it's a very kind of multicultural affair so you know my sister who's married to a Punjabi man she would make a biryani so she would make like a biryani like a biryani or a halim so she'll make different things and my mum will always make a chicken korma, which is very traditional when you're celebrating. I always make the cake, always. And I always make my spicy prawns, which might, and, and it's like, this is the least Christmas Christmas dinner that you get. Sounds wonderful, though. It sounds absolutely wonderful. wonderful. And you have all those dishes that are everybody's specialty. Yeah. And then my sister-in-law, who's English, she always makes a cauliflower cheese and she always comes in disappointed as if she's like, oh, this is so bland. And I'm like, no, 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 it works. It really works. And so we have like cauliflower cheese, we have spicy prawns, we have a little bit of everything. And I always make the cake. So I, to this day, still make birthday cake for me and my sister. Oh, how wonderful. I love that. That is wonderful. Now, what is your birthday cake? What do you make? Which kind? Well, my sister. So I never make something I like because I make a lot of cake. So I tend to not eat as much cake, but my sister loves toffee. So every year I make her a kind of speculoos type toffee, speculoos spiced cake with a toffee icing. Okay, Nada, you're going to have to tell me what speculoos is. So speculoos is a spice mix. I think it's from the Netherlands. I can't remember anymore. I've forgotten completely, but it's like you get, it's like cinnamon, nutmeg. You've got maybe cloves. You've got a little bit of clove in there. You've got all sorts of kind of like. So the warm spices. Kind of warm Christmassy spices that you would normally get. Oh, lovely. Have you ever heard of a lotus biscuit? No. Right. So it's a very kind of, there's these lotus biscuits that my dad used to have at his restaurant and they would serve them on the side of his coffee. Cookie. It's a biscuit is a cookie. We say cookie and y'all say biscuit. Yes, exactly. And a biscuit for us is something very, very different. A biscuit for you is savory, right? Yes. Well, it can be sweet, but we frown at that. Yeah. Biscuits for us are flour, butter, buttermilk. Yeah. And they're usually rolled or punched out and baked. Yeah. But biscuits for y'all are cookies. Okay. So Speculoos is the warm spices. So you make that with a bit of, did you say toffee? Yeah. So I make like a toffee flavored icing, Swiss meringue buttercream for her. And then we do loads of layers and the kind of cake that you eat big slabs of and make it as high as physically possible. And then that's, that's her favorite cake to eat. It sounds wonderful. Now, Americans don't do a lot of Swiss buttercreams, that mm. Swiss meringue buttercream. But basically what it is, is you take the hot sugar and add it to your, like a traditional buttercream and it makes it fluffier and lighter, right? Yeah. So it's a liquid sugar. So you water and sugar boiled to 152, I think it is. And then you add it to whipped egg whites 
And then you kind of gently pour that in. And as soon as you have to wait a long time to whip that till it's cooled down to, to kind of body temperature, and then you add all the butter. Like when I say all the butter, I mean all the butter that you can physically imagine. Like we're talking a few kilos, especially if I'm making a cake, but a lot of butter. It is the most velvety, smooth, sweet icing. And it's just, it. it's the way it moves. The way it moves to ice the cake is just, it's beautiful. It's like a dance. I am fascinated with that. Now, in America, unless you're really an experienced baker, you don't see people doing that a lot. But in Britain, in the UK, that's pretty standard, isn't it? Like most people would, you would either have that or get that somewhere for a birthday or something, right? Um, I don't know if Swiss meringue buttercream is that standard. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's that standard, but we have lots of kind of like uh, cream cheese icings and which I know is quite common. Which we do, yeah. We do. And a buttercream. I think a standard kind of buttercream icing is quite... It, but the, the Swiss meringue buttercream is a lot more stable, right? It holds better than yeah. a regular buttercream, right? Uh, yes, yeah, so it cools faster. So when it cools, it cools quite hard. So it means that if you're doing a quite tall cake uh, with a bit of structure, that's the kind of buttercream you want to use because with a standard buttercream, you can still kind of stick your finger in and create a massive dent. Whereas with a Swiss meringue buttercream, you leave it in the fridge for a couple of hours, it's pretty sturdy. You're listening to Homemade, when we return, we have award-winning chef Danielle Ballou humbly sharing his worst Thanksgiving mistakes. We also have Top Chef and Taste the Nation host Padma Lakshmi providing history on her own family's holiday traditions. And MasterChef winner Dorian Hunter gives some sage advice on whether or not to try that new recipe for your big gathering. All that and much more after the break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for listening to Homemade. I'm Sabrina Medora, and today I'm sharing tips from previous guests on how to take the stress out of your holiday meal prep. Recently, renowned chef Danielle Balud answered questions from you, our homemade listeners, about how to best entertain for the holidays. And listen, before you sweat your Thanksgiving menu, take solace in Chef Balud's story about how even he isn't always perfect when it comes to turkey. Uh, this is Jim Barnett, and uh, my wife died a year ago, and I do all the cooking now for the family gatherings. I'm looking for suggestions to, to uh, reduce the hectic situation fixing the turkey 
and all the sides. What can be cooked ahead, frozen, or any tips for uh, reducing the tension experience during the preparation for Thanksgiving and Christmas? Thank you very much. Well, I mean, if he was living in New York, I would tell him to buy the box, which has soup to nuts inside from my uh, Daniel Bully kitchen. But one thing, for example, macaroni and cheese. If you want to do macaroni and cheese, do that the day before. No sweat. You just have to bake it and serve it. I love sweet potato puree or pumpkin puree. And what I do is I add also some orange juice inside and some spice and even banana inside a little bit and also a little bit of cream. And so that is bland uh, like that. Of course, you cook the sweet potatoes in a little bit of water and cream together until it is tender and with some grated orange peel inside and cinnamon and a little bit of allspice powder or clove and banana, apple inside, apple and banana. And then you blend that, you make a puree, smooth puree with that. And that's quite delicious. What else I will propose? Spinach or Swiss chard or or kale or braising greens. That can be blanched in salted water ahead, squeeze, season, and maybe uh, pre-saute a little bit with some mushroom and a little bit of onion, sliced onion that you sweat well, and then you add all your greens in it, you season, and you just give a quick toss, you put it in a pan, and you chill it right away. And then the next day, you just warm that up in the oven. So basically, try to do as much as possible pre-cooked, perfectly to be reheated only, not even recooked, just reheated. That's uh, very important. And... um, I like also uh, Brussels sprout. You can blanch them again the day before and you can butter them the next day after. So all this task of preparing the vegetable and maybe pot cooking the vegetable is very important because you save a lot of time. Cranberry sauce should be done in advance, of course. How many days do you think people can start preparing for Thanksgiving in advance? Two days. And what you do the days before is the first day you clean all the vegetables, you prepare yourself to cook the sides the next day and prep the turkey also that you can do two days ahead also. And so by the time of the day of the party is effortless because everything is ready to be cooked or baked. So you can wash your vegetables, chop everything, get everything ready. Yeah. And usually Thanksgiving, nobody works. So you have the whole day to prep and you don't need to eat before two (laughs) o'clock in the afternoon or three. The worst story I have about entertaining at a friend's home. It was Thanksgiving and I was invited at the friend and he had a new house and his oven was broken. And, you know, I was not discouraged. I knew how to cook with anything. I look outside and he had a big barbecue with gas. And that was the only source of heat I had. It was in the winter in New York. There was snow outside. So I light up the barbecue. I see it's working well. Now it didn't have any equipment to cook with. So I had aluminum pan. And while one of those disposable aluminum you find in the supermarket, 
And I had my turkey down and butters and buttered turkey and beautiful. And I had the barbecue on. So I put the turkey inside. I closed the top. And then I go into the house and the barbecue was outside in a little bit of a terrace he had where he had a little space for the barbecue. And we were all having cocktail and talking. And I knew that my turkey was cooking. I was not worried. And then at one point, I looked through the window and I see flame of like five feet tall flame coming out of the barbecue. (laughs) And actually, the the aluminum pan melted and all the butter caught on fires and all that, all the fat of the turkey. Basically, the turkey was on fire. (laughs) Oh, my God. How did the so the foil just completely melted? Yeah, the, the, the whole thing. <laughs> it ruined the whole turkey. We never had dinner. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I hope you it had extra cocktails. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, we had plenty of cocktails and we, we ate the garnish and all that. So talk about sometimes you think you can improvise, but you have to be very careful when you improvise. <laughs> I'll say. Oh, that is hilarious. Uh, I know that this year people are going to be adjusting their menus for some dietary restrictions. You know, some mm-hmm. people are lactose intolerant and gluten-free. Mm-hmm. Do you have any recommendations on how to reduce the stress of putting together a menu that has to please multiple people and preferences? Of course. I think today we more and more have so many substitutes. I have a daughter with lactose intolerant. I have a daughter with gluten-free I mean, for milk, you can use almond milk, you can use coconut milk, you can use uh, goat milk for that matter, because I think my daughter can take goat, but cannot take cow's milk, soya milk as well. For the gluten, even Thomas Keller created a blend of starch that can replace gluten in a way, or flour. And the recipe has been adapted around that as well. And I think more and more chefs are helping coming up with recipe gluten-free. And that's great. Would you say to just cook the whole menu with the idea of those restrictions oh, yeah. in mind or those adjustments of instead of doing yeah. it? No, at the restaurant, we do the adjustment because it's maybe one table out of 20 that may have a, an issue. But at home, if you note and you have a guest was that, it's better to try to compose a meal, avoiding those so you don't even make a case out of it. Right, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's important. One of my favorite parts about the holidays is being able to put my own spin on traditional feasts. Don't be afraid to mix things up. Take, for example, how Padma Lakshmi travels the world from her Thanksgiving table. One of the things that I wanted to chat with you about today was your own holiday favorites and traditions. Mm -hmm. You know, every family has their own like special recipes and every person has their favorite dish on the table for Thanksgiving or Christmas. Would love to kind of hear some of your favorite traditions and dishes for our listeners. Sure. I mean, for me, we do one big Diwali party every year. We didn't do it last year, obviously, because of COVID. And I'm not sure that we will do it this year. But that is the one big blowout party that we have in my house. We have usually, you know, traditional vegetarian Indian food. We have classical musicians who live in the New York area come and perform. We have people singing Carnatic music, including my daughter, not me, (laughs) but my daughter. And, um, you know, we 
all dress up in saris or langas and we you know have flowers and we have a little religious ceremony that's very small and done in five minutes and then we just sit around and eat and chat and dance and sing but beyond that for thanksgiving and christmas i do make a big turkey and i think i enjoy making that turkey almost more for the turkey pot pie that will happen the next day. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, so it's almost like I'm making the turkey because that's what we make at Thanksgiving, but really I'm just making it with an eye towards making that pot pie the next day. And usually for Thanksgiving, the turkey stays the same, but uh, and even our sides stay the same, but they all change ethnicity. And what I mean by that is that we'll make mashed potatoes, but one year we'll add sriracha to the mashed potatoes, one year we will add arisa to the mashed potatoes or maybe bits of Moroccan preserved lemon. Another time maybe we'll add some chipotle in adobo that's been pureed into the mashed potatoes. So every year we pick a country and the sides all lean in spices and flavorings toward that, that country's flavors. So we're still making roast vegetables, we're still making something with cranberry, but it's either a cranberry chutney or something else. I love that. That's so fun. Thank you. And who gets to decide what country you want to be traveling to, so to speak? I mean, me. I, I usually try and ask. I always <laughs> I always ask my family a couple of weeks out, like, do you guys have any requests? You know, what are you in the mood for? And if anyone has any ideas, I always welcome them because, you know, it gets tiring making up everything by yourself. But And I have help in the kitchen, obviously, on the day. But um you know, mostly like one year we even did ramen for Christmas, you know, because everyone was just like, let's do ramen. We <laughs> had all these beautiful ramen noodles from Sun Noodles because I had visited their factory in Hawaii and I, you know, came back with all this fresh ramen and they're like, yeah, let's do that. And we just, we had all these like oven roasted maitake mushrooms that we got crispy and flaked into the ramen on top and it was fun. So is there like an open door policy for this holiday season where I could just maybe <laughs> pop on by? <laughs> yes, of course. I'll bring a dish. <laughs> yes, yes. To wrap up today's holiday episode, we'll rewind again to Marty Duncan getting some useful advice from MasterChef Season 10 winner Dorian Hunter. They'll be talking about baking as well as when not to try out that crazy new recipe you just discovered. What tips would you give our listeners for baking? That is one of the biggest questions I get that people have terrible baking fails and they're not sure what they've done wrong. You have any of your tried and true tips for baking in general? Yes. Know how to read a recipe. When you're able to read a recipe from top to bottom, You'll be able to point out mistakes, learn the sequence of formulas, because we know bacon is a science. You can't just throw everything in a bowl all at one time and think it's going to come out right. And be patient. That's the one thing about baking that really I still struggle with because I want to peak. I want it to be done right now. And you have to be patient when it comes to baking. It's a science. It takes time. You know, I always say a success is anything you can eat. That's right. It may not look like you want it to look, but if you can eat it, that's a success. 
<laughs> Unless you're presented to Chef Ramsay, it probably is, you know, because no, most people at their house, they don't care. The kids right. especially <laughs> don't care, you know. Right. And he may even say, you know what, it looks like crap, but it tastes really good. So, I mean, it's still a success. So That's right. A lot of times I've tried new things and done something a little bit off, you know, different. And then it doesn't look very good. It tastes good. So I just make it look pretty by, I don't know, making like a little trifle out of it or a parfait or something where it doesn't truly matter as much what it looks like more what it tastes like right exactly I always tell people when they take my uh, baking classes I always say look at the end of this I know that everybody here is not a professional some of you have never baked a cake but the object is for you to be able to eat whatever it is you make and if you can eat it it's okay if it doesn't look like mine or it, it doesn't quite you know, fit that picture perfect idea, but it's yours. You did it and you can be proud of it. Do not wait until Thanksgiving, Christmas, those special holidays to try something new. Do it several times. So then by the time you get to that holiday, you have it perfected, but That's don't right. let your first time be on a, on a major holiday. No, or when you're having guests over, you know, exactly. and you want it to be so good. And I've had a lot of people email me and say, I tried your XYZ recipe and it didn't work. I'm like, well, what did you do? Well, I didn't use what you said. I use milk. I'm like, okay. Yeah. You know, so don't make substitutions to a recipe that's been tested right. and don't try it for Thanksgiving exactly. or Christmas for the first time. Exactly. Great advice. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of Homemade. We really hope that your holiday season is smooth and delicious. Next week, be sure to tune in because we are hearing from an absolute legend in the food industry. He owns nearly three dozen restaurants, just launched a new media company, and happens to run one of the largest food-related charities in the world. Oh, and did I mention he's also one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People, and he was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. That's right. I'm talking about Chef Jose Andres. In World Central Kitchen, we tried to make sure one thing, that every problem that we face is connected to many others, and that you cannot use handle one problem alone without understanding all the connections with everything else around. Because when you do it this way, you will be in better shape to handle that problem by at the same time helping other problems that surround that one. You won't want to miss it, so be sure to follow Homemade on your favorite podcast app. And listen, we're always looking for feedback on the show. So if you love us and have a second, please rate us on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Don't forget, you can find thousands of recipes, meal ideas, and cooking how-tos from the world's largest community of cooks at allrecipes.com. And you can find me on Instagram at Sabrina Medora or at sabrinamedora.com. This podcast was produced by All Recipes with digital content director Jason Burnett. A huge thank you to our production team, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Daniel Roth, Jim Hankey, Maya Croth, and Andy Bosnack at Pod People. This is Homemade. I'm Sabrina Medora. And remember, cook with love, eat with joy. <laughs>